on music, if you will, and uh, I'm, uh, we're, we're not going to be in biblical principles for another couple, uh, couple Wednesday nights here, for sure, but I certainly want to, at the very least, I want to put it in perspective again. So we, we talked a little bit last week, and I kept thinking, why did it take me so long last week? And then I got to realizing that I walked ahead of myself. I covered part of a topic that I was going to cover tonight, last, last week out of place, which makes me wonder if I need to rearrange how I put this in here, because I naturally did that. But I'm going to recap just a little bit, not very much, just kind of get us back in place. Uh, If you have your Bible, we will look at just a couple verses in Romans 1 and Galatians 3. Uh, You've got to put a ribbon there that will be there eventually. So just as a reminder, okay, and I'm not going to go back over... uh, all those eight parts, because some of you are going to say, oh, do we got to do that again? So, but there are music nerds, okay? There are music nerds, and some of us, we like to uh, bring that in. But we talked about one of the issues, or some of the issues with music is that it's an issue. <laughs> it's one of those things that, matter of fact, I, I talked about writing a little bit. That's, I told my daughter it's almost ministerial suicide for a preacher to write on music. Uh, because no matter what I write, some people are going to think I've become a flaming liberal. Other, other people are going to think I'm a stinking legalist. And who knows? Uh, the people who know me, I don't think will be all that worried about it. But, and, but maybe it'll help some folks. So that's kind of where we're going. But, uh, and again, because of the, the traveling interaction, I, f- I feel like I have at least somewhat of a ground uh, to talk about music. Hopefully with less of a paradigm than I have, but uh, is there ever such thing as disagreement on music? Yeah, we talked about that, and again, we talked about all the different churches, churches that don't use any music, churches that have, you know, I mean, there was a day when an organ would not have been in a church, not in America, because it was a rock instrument. Organ was a rock and roll instrument, you know. This is post-pipe organ. You had the pipe organ, and then you went into rock and roll. The Beatles used the organ. I mean, that whole realm used an organ. So then, oh, but I can't have an organ. That's a rock song. Well, and then you got churches with pianos, you know, and some people are like, Liberace played the piano. We're not touching that. And then you got Latin style. I mean, I'm being a little bit funny and facetious, but there are churches that use uh, no instruments, period, voices only. Voices only, and they believe very strongly on that. There are churches that will use a piano, only, or piano and organ, only. There are churches that will have a full orchestra. I mean, the whole bit, okay? There are churches that I've been to that have the, the, you know, the electric guitar and the drums. I've been to churches in the South where every bluegrass instrument you can name is sitting on the platform when you walk in the back door. And any number of about four people in the auditorium can pick up any one of those instruments and take off. I mean, it's just kind of interesting that there's a massive difference in, in cultures and subcultures when we get to music and even in this room, there are massive differences in subcultures of music. And I'm not, I'm not just looking at the McNews because they're from Colorado, okay, or us because we're from somewhere else. I, people that are born and raised here are going to have different subcultures, their own private culture in music. Those things are all, uh, they all are a, a part of God's creativity in creating man. They're different. Okay, no two snowflakes are alike. So just like Baptists, no two flakes are alike. I mean, so, so and it works. The problem is, is all of us believe that. Well, we may not we may not be vocal about it, but we inherently believe that my music is the right music, and that other music is the wrong music. We inherently believe that. 
That what I, what I like and what I listen to is the right stuff, and how could you ever listen to that? Okay? So we kind of talked about that a little bit, and we talked, this is very clear. A discussion on music between two believers, two preachers, whatever, two people even, should never resort to ad hominem attacks. What that means is, I leave the argument logically and with some nice uh, politeness, and I start attacking the person. Okay? When I leave the argument, I start, I start attacking the person, I have left talking about the argument. Okay? And that's just wrong. I'm just telling you, uh, you have to be very, very careful. Unless a person just has a long, a very long, open history of something, this, you just can't use that as a... And the Bible's clear on that. Ephesians 4, do I need to say any more? Okay, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Anyways, we're not, I'm not going to re-preach that. So... Then we looked at what is music a little bit, okay? So we looked at what is music. We used Webster's definition. We looked at what Google says about it. Um, and I gave my definition of music as a powerful art form used to convey thoughts and emotions. And that's a beginner. That's a beginner definition, but we'll say that again. Music is a powerful art form used to convey thought and or emotion. Okay, and we talk, we'll get more of that. Then we talked about the standard Baptist argument that we've had probably for the last maybe 70 years or so is about the four parts of music. Remember that? We talked about the four parts of music. We had Caleb and, was it Caleb, Craig, and Greg? Is that what we had up here? The, and we talked, about, uh, we talked about melody, harmony, and rhythm. And you know, we use it as a pyramid. And the fourth part is vocal expression, which can fall on any one of those. And we talked about if you go too far down Harmony, you kind of end up in a jazz style. If you go down rhythm, you end up in a kind of a rock style. You want to emphasize, in a, especially a church setting, we need to emphasize the melody side of that pyramid because the message, Paul was quite clear in Corinthians that everything in a church is to be clear about its message and it needs to be done decently in their order. If the message is not clear, then we have misused music in a church thing. And, and we talked about how that for years preachers use that. I've, I mean, I've heard that... Man alive, since I was little bitty kid in church, the four parts of music. And I listen, again, I thank all the preachers who stood up in those days and stood against the ginormous wave of music that was just attacking, attacking society. I mean, uh, it's since, I mean, since 1900 that really this massive push towards sens- sensuous prevalence, sexuality in music has just been a massive push. Now, and remember we talked about how the growth of music, so we talked about, go back to even A.D., like five or 600 A.D., we didn't really have notation so much as just little dots and drawings, and even beforehand, Gregorian chants, you know, well, you're supposed to go up here, but each different group of chanters got to decide how far they want to go up, okay? And then how music has progressed, so now the last 100, 150 years, we've had these, we've had notation, like we're familiar with, in our, in our hymn books, and by the way, it goes way beyond these hymn books. The choir, those who have been in choir get to see a little bit more of that. And then if you've been in orchestra, it gets even worse. So every instrument has its own sheet of just its music. And then this, one, this instrument next has its... We got, for this hymn book right here, for this hymn book right here, we buy books this size for each instrument. So if we're going to have six instruments over there, it's likely we're going to have six different books like this so they can play along with us in this thing. So you get music has grown. And our, our collective knowledge, and I mean that in humanity, our collective knowledge around music and what it does has been a constantly expanding thing. Uh, 
I don't know since when. I don't know, maybe it got restarted at Noah. I'm not sure. So we have, we have music for us as, a, as, as humanity is continually growing our understanding of it. We talked about the neuroscientists last week who said that they're still understanding what music does to the brain. So, so we understand that music is growing and then we also need to grow with it, okay? We can't, we can't sit and pretend like music's not growing and then, you know, just try to sit and act like, well, we're just going to stick with this and try to muddle our way through it. No, we need people to look at it and pay attention to it. We need people to get music degrees. We need people to understand theory and, and play. Not, listen, I play instruments. I play several instruments. Music theory is, I have a dabble of grasp on it, Okay? That which is dangerous. You, you, you think about a, a kid, you give a kid who understands if I pull the trigger on a gun, there's a big bang and stuff blows up. You understand, they don't understand the concept of a gun and all the pieces of it, what it does, what it can do, what the different calibers do. That's why I, I, there's some people I won't even teach guitar because I don't think they're ready for it. I just, guitars, any instrument, but the guitar is very easy to misuse, so I'm very careful about that. Anyways, so I'm getting ahead of myself again, I'll be careful. So, we thank the Lord for those preachers who stood up, but we need to grow, and our arguments need to grow, and now we realize that there's not just four parts of music, there's more like eight, seven or eight, that almost all music or movie directors and orchestral composers, that they try to align these, these, all eight of these pieces of music on one emotion so that they can convey the emotion that they're wanting to get. Not that the four-part argument is bad. It's a very good one. It's one you can use. It's still very... It's still very uh, useful, and it's, it's still a very good, simple way to explain music. But for those who are into music, we need to pay attention, because it's getting bigger. Okay, So, oh, and I'm not going to go over all those parts. So, uh, we had pitch, rhythm, texture, and we, even in texture, we found out that there's some parts we don't even use in church that are quite acceptable. There's vocal, which we all understand that one, right? Gold stars. Uh, timber, expressiveness, form, structure, all this really cool stuff, and we're not going to go back over and talk about it. So, now, so we understood, all, we got kind of talking about all that. Now, here's the problem with all that, is music, and I'm going to re- re-preach this a little bit from last week. I kind of covered it a little bit, but not how I wanted to. So, now, music is subjective. Music is subjective. It's not, it's not static. It's not one thing for all mankind. Now, this is not to say that there are not some songs that kind of span time, cultures, people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like for instance, I just heard uh, a guy talking about the song White Christmas. And White Christmas was, was a good, good song when it came out, and it's still a good song today. How many people do their own cover of White Christmas. I mean, it's just a great song. And it's, it's great for reasons that we might talk about down the road. It just really is a really cool, the way the guy wrote it, his music knowledge when he wrote it, and what that, what that he constantly leaves that whole song, that just to put it simple, unresolved until the very last word. And then he resolves it. And we, we are affected by that. Our, our bodies are constantly looking for that resolution and it happens at the very end. It's a very interesting thing. I'm not going to go into that. But music is subjective. So let me ask you just to, I want you to think about this from a few questions, from your personal aspect. Not what you've heard, not what you think, just what your own answers that you would, that you would say. What music culture did you 
grow up in? Could you name it? Could you name different, could you name different groups? Well, I'm not sure. Well, I think we can start real easy as none of you probably grew up in an Eastern music culture. You know, you didn't hear the... Well, most of you grew up hearing, you know, piano, four-part four harmony. You know what I'm talking about? Is everybody here? Come on now. Get your thinking caps on or this will take us longer than it should. What, kind of, what music culture did you personally grow up in? Okay, what experience do you have yourself with music? How, how, how extensive is your personal interaction with music? Okay, what type of training musically did you receive? That makes a big difference because people who, people who were trained at a Bible college that, are, that teach us very strong high church music styles it's very hard for them to see anything else as being very good. I'm just telling you, i got friends who have been through that realm. And they have to actually unlearn a few things to be able to go out and minister to new societies because they think that's the only music that there is. What do you think high church music means? Well, it's only operatic style voices and more, more orchestral style arrangements is most of that, which most of you here did, probably didn't grow up in. Okay? Um, what individual preferences have you developed? Now, this is different than what culture you grew up in. And let, let me put it to you this way. The culture you grew up in. So I grew up in church. Um, independent Baptist church. But we had, we, like I told you before, we had all the major quartets. We were a big church, so we would bring those big quartets into our, into our uh, local community center. We'd rent out the community center and fill the place up so, so they could hear... Uh, the, let's see, we had the cathedrals once, but eh, they, they, our church didn't click with them. We had the Kingsmen in, the Rhythm Masters. These are some old groups. I'm not sure if some of you even know the Masters Five. And then, um, and then we were introduced. Our church went through a very hard time uh, with the loss of a pastor who was caught in sin. And, uh, and a, a traveling evangelist came through and put a tape deck on the modesty panel here because nobody could play what he had. And he got up there and says, I'm going to sing for y'all with my cassettes. Now, again, we're in Michigan, and he's from, like, Tennessee. Okay? And we're all kind of like, this guy's cool. But because we were so hurt as a church, he took time and helped us as a people. We began to enjoy his music. And he was just him. He had some background music. It wasn't offensive, but nobody could play it. And we began to love his style of music. So our church started, started adopting some southern influences. You hear what I'm saying? So, and then we could add something to that. What did you listen to when mom and dad weren't looking? Or when the preacher wasn't around? Because now you're stepping outside of your culture and you're, you're adding to your culture, your personal culture. You hear what I'm saying? Is everybody here? Come on now, y'all got to be honest or this don't work. Or if you grew up not saved, what are those, what is the culture? that you had? What was the songs you had? What is the first song that you remember that hit you like a, like a hammer because the words in the song, you felt them? It wasn't just something you were hearing. You felt them. I mean, that's me. I hate to say it, but you know, for most of us what that is, is when we had some breakup or something like that when we were teenagers and somebody said, there's a song you got to listen to. I see some of you smiling. Get the picture. 
You hear what I'm saying? Come on. So what, what, was, what, what kind of things did you influence yourself with? Um, what, uh, what music were you flooded with as you grew up? Because, you know, when dad controls the radio, <laughs> get in the car, click. Did you even get music or was it all talk? You know, I, you know what I'm saying? What mu- now, here's the thing. Talk music or talk radio has music. So you are being influenced. I don't know if you know that or not, but there's music there. So just kind of put this together. So what are your, what, what is the different subcultures? Have you ever had, and I want to ask this seriously, have you ever had a rational, quiet, um, open conversation with someone who you disagree with, but you knew was obviously a believer? Is everybody here? Have you ever had a rational, open conversation with someone that you knew they were a believer? They're a believer but you disagree with them on music in their, in their preference. If you haven't had that kind of thing, well, there's a different problem we need to settle first. Is if you're talking to a man who claims, or a woman that claims to be a believer, you need to treat them like a believer, like the Bible says. And be kind one to another. There should be some amens here. Does everybody here like to be treated with respect? Okay, so have you ever had an open... In other words, if you have an open, honest conversation, you allow yourself to be influenced by someone else's culture from a vision that is not your own. What do, we call, what do we call our view of the world? It's called a what? Has to do with money, dimes, two dimes? A paradigm, yeah. Come on now. Are you all here? I'm just, okay, I'm getting, some of you are still waking up. Post-Christmas hangover, I get it. So... We all have a paradigm. We all have a, we all have a very narrow rut in which we understand what music is. It's extremely subjective. Uh, again, I used, I used the, the illustration of when, when, I'm, uh, when there's the 4th of July parade, okay, and, or I'm at a baseball game or something, and they sing the national anthem. Man, I'm telling you, I've read so much history that, man, I, I get stories in my head, and I see those hats with those, you know, the veteran thing on their, on their hat, and, I mean, there's sometimes a tear comes to my eye. If I hear Lee Greenwood's, and I'm proud to be an American, you know, man, I'm like, yes, I am. I'm proud to be. I stand up straight. I feel it. I feel it. If I go back to a whole previous generation, we go into the 40s, Brother uh, Frank Price, a friend of mine, he, he, he was uh, in his 80s, 70s or 80s at the time when I was leading music uh, back at Springfield. And he kept saying, please, would you sing God Bless America? We just don't sing enough. I said, yeah, no problem. I can do that. And, then he would, and he said this. He said, I just remember back in the 40s, Kate Smith singing God Bless America. He said, and every time I hear it, I, and he's not kidding. Every time I would lead God Bless America, he'd be back there crying. But because of the war and its influence in their life and Kate Smith being on the radio singing God Bless America to a, a whole generation that when they hear Kate Smith sing that song, they weep. And for us, it's like, yeah, it's a good recording, not a bad voice, a little scratchy. They weep and we go, okay. You hear what I'm saying? Come on, you've got to respond a little bit here. I need some, you need to start saying yes and no and amen so I can move on. Has everybody got that? At the, same, at the same time, while I respect the Russian national anthem as a very good piece of music, well-written, enjoyable, 
when, I'm, when the Olympics are on and the Russians win and the, that's planned, I might go get a bottle of water. It doesn't affect me at all. Not emotionally. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we each have a subculture of music. It's very subjective. Music is a very, very subjective thing. How many of you really just love when you go to a restaurant and they, make, they put this gigantic hat on, on your head and make you maybe even sit on a saddle and sing happy birthday to you as loud as they possibly can? Everybody like that? How many of you don't mind it when it's your little kid singing it to you back at the house or your wife singing it to you? Then it's a totally different song, isn't it? Some people don't even like happy birthday. All they know is, yeah, my dad died on my birthday. Please don't sing happy birthday. It's not happy for me. You understand, we each have a very, a very great, your personal experiences, your own chosen interaction with particular styles of music, the, thing that, the things that you've uh, chosen to learn. So I, the instruments that I am typically better at are bluegrass style instruments, string style instruments. I love hearing, I, I've, I'm very eclectic in what I enjoy listening to. Very eclectic. I mean, there's a wide variety of music that I can enjoy, but when it comes to what I play, typically it's bluegrass. Well, I shouldn't say bluegrass. It's bluegrass instruments, but it's more of a folk style. And you may not understand that that's different. I'm not so much bluegrass, more folk. And uh, so that, that colors how I see all music. It just does. I mean, if, if there's a guitar, my ears perk up. I'm from a Sharon. If there's a piano, I imagine it's like, what's that? You hear what I'm saying? If I walk into a music store, I don't sit down at the piano first. I go to the guitar first. That colors what I enjoy. That colors what ends up being my favorite. So listen, culture matters. Culture matters. This is what bothers me, is that when we begin to talk about music, Christians become very angry and foundational, and all the arguments they use are non-biblical or taking Bible verses and stretching them to say something that doctrinally is just not saying. Does everybody understand that? I've heard people totally negate Paul's teaching that women should keep silence in the church, referencing a woman should not have authority in a teaching position inside of the church. Totally negate that passage by noting in the rest of the Bible how many times God uses women. God never said he didn't use women. But you hear you know what I'm saying? They negate this because they want this. We have to be very careful when we start talking about music because just because Nebuchadnezzar or whatever it was, the three wise, the three wise, the, oh my goodness, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just because the Bible says that there was all kinds of music, is, there's not really a doctrinal position for us to say that a certain kind of music is right or wrong there. Okay? Is everybody following me? The important part is, is that they used music to help control the mob. So everybody here? doesn't matter what kind of music it is, because we'd have no idea what music they played there. We don't, well, it was all rock and roll. I don't even know rock, if we went back and took rock and roll back to that day, they all run away screaming. Like, what the, <laughs> what is this? They have their own culture, their own subculture of music. So culture matters, okay? Is everybody still here? Amen? Can you imagine the size? Again, we mentioned this last week. I, I just get this picture of, well, I just want somebody to tell me what, what song is right and what song is wrong. Yeah, can you imagine how big the Bible would have to be? I mean, there, there'd be like some central, central music agency. 
You'd have to go into, you walk up to this librarian with the glasses on the end of her nose and saying, you want what song now? And she hauls out a book the size of Texas, you know. That song's clearly on the naughty list. Why are you even asking me about you? That's nowhere, it's not in there. There's no, search it. It's not there. Is everybody here? Come on, you got to keep sticking with me, people. All right, so. But the, again, we used this verse last week. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter that God hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So we have the answers that we need when we look at music for us to decide what is right and wrong. So everybody here? But, but let me go back a step. Remember, music is subjective. We're going to talk personally. Let's, let's separate now church and, church and personal. Well, we can even keep churches in there because the style of music that a small church is capable of using and the size and a large church is capable of using, those are two different cultures. They're massively different cultures. You get a little bitty Hispanic church and all they got is five guitars. That's a completely different subculture. Okay, And what Brother Jerry listens to and what Miss Naomi listens to and what Tim Knudsen listens to and what Walker listens to, we, there's, we can't even probably talk about all the variety of music that's right just in those four people. Some, there's going to be some crossover, like there always is, but there's some individual things. So it's subjective, and God says he has given us all things to answer, so there's going to be answers. And we're going to, hopefully down the well, we are going to get there. We're going to get to those answers, those principles. But I want to continue... Again, we need to understand music first to make sure we're not just blithely going through, it don't matter, I'll just listen to whatever I want to. You know what, you ever stop and think about that a second? It don't matter, I'll just, you know, be intimate with whoever I want to. It doesn't matter, I'm just going to drink whatever I want to. It doesn't matter, I'm just, you hear what I'm saying? When it comes to music, people get really defensive about their music. And I'm talking, it don't matter whether they're super, super churchy people or no church at all people. Everybody gets excused, and watch Christians especially, more in Christianity than anywhere else, truthfully. They get really defensive. And very rarely do we go back to the Bible and say, here's the, here's the Bible principle I'm using to apply this. Normally it's what I think, what I feel, what seems to me. Or how others have used it. We're going to talk about that too. So be, be careful. Subjective. Music is subjective, but we do have God's answer. We are going to look at God's principles for how we can look at it. Now, what is music's purpose? So what, what is music? We looked at that. Now, what is music's purpose? But what do I mean by that? How do we use it? And what does the Bible say about what God intended us to use it for? Okay. And there is some differences there. There are some different ideas. There's, there is something very clearly distinct about music that should be sung by an assembly that is worshiping God. A congregational group that is getting together. God does give us some more serious principles for that group. So when we come, when we come together for church, it's not to listen to your favorite top hits songs. Top Christian hit songs. You understand what I'm saying? It's not to put on a performance so we can go, oh, that person's such a good singer. We should have so-and-so sing because they're a good singer. No, this is not church has got talent. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not. That's not what church music is about and never should be. I'm getting ahead of myself trying to get into purposes so, what, or get into principles. 
how do we use music? So again, I want you to ask yourself, why do you use music? How do you use it? I, I really am, and I say this seriously, and some of it's maybe something I don't understand, but the, the new generation, the newer generations, probably the last two or three, it's like if, if you pulled the headphones out of their ears, they would die. Like, legit. They would, they would not know what to do with themselves, which is a problem, because God is kind of clear that silence is a good thing when you're dealing with God. So when we're scared of the silence, what we're saying is we're actually scared of having some one-on-ones with the Lord. Okay, we need, we need to talk about this, and then I think there's a bigger discussion to be had there, and we're not going to have it now. But how do we use music? Why do you use it? And again, ask yourself, why and how do you use music? So the answers are a whole lot of stuff, isn't it? There's a lot of answers to that. I, I mean, endlessly. Um, when I am counseling, I have learned from other counselors and from my own experience that if I play soft, instrumental, slow music in the background, it creates a very good open atmosphere for people to talk. They feel comfortable. They're more relaxed. They're not... <laughs> people don't reason when they're going... <laughs> so we want a soft... So I, I, and sometimes it's barely even noticeable to the people that are there, but it affects them. Does everybody understand that? Because you may not, but it does. That's I've learned that. Um, businesses use music. Did you know that? Uh, some of you probably won't remember it, but when I was a teenager, those I liked uh, Van Heusen style of clothing plus some other stuff. Uh, and there was a, a store in the mall. Yes, mall was the big deal. Called Chess King, and man, they had all the kind of clothes I liked. It was like cool stuff. And the music was, guess what, all my era of rock music. Even when I was in my 20s and 30s married, Chess King was still in the mall, and I'd walk by, and I would instantly feel a draw to that store because I was hearing a song from back when my parents didn't know what I was listening to, sneaking in and listening to something I wasn't supposed to be listening to, and I should not have been listening to, by the way. Most of those songs I went to I did not go to because they were helpful. I went to them because they made me feel good about the way I wanted to feel at the moment. But anyways, so, and I had to stop going to the store. Some of you know this because the rock songs when you were a kid are now the elevator music. It's just inevitable. That's how it works. Um, again, movies use music. So businesses use it to attract clientele, like a mall, like a, in a mall, a sales thing. Restaurants use music to bring you in help you keep calm for a little bit, and then speed it up to get you out. I'm dead serious about that. If you think I'm being funny, this is a science. The, the, this is, the, the, the music is designed. It's called, matter of fact, I believe it's called architecture. It's what they call it, music architecture. They design it so they'll get you in. I mentioned Itzhak Perlman. Uh, he's a Jewish violinist. He's probably the premier violinist maybe up until recently. He, for years, he was the premier violinist in the world. Just amazing and, uh, man, his ability to draw emotion out of the violin was just astounding. If you've ever watched the movie Schindler's List, which is about the, the man who protected many of the, the Jews and other people from, from the Nazi, uh, by, you know, from the Nazi uh, camps and the, you know, the, the, the brown shirts and all that, SS police. 
and he protected them, got them out. Most of those were Jews. And here's Itzhak Perlman, a Jew, playing the violin, a very Jewish instrument, for the music on the background of this movie. I'm telling you, it's powerful because the man feels, he feels that, that cultural pain of what happened there. And it, it emotes out in his violin playing. So the movies use it to help guide our emotions. You know, again, remember we talked about dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. Just try turning off the music and watching Jaws sometimes. Stupidest movie in the world. The music made the movie. And it used an ostinato. A two-note ostinato, which is a very thing that's like connected to some of our primal fears and instincts, which is interesting because a lot of the new Batman music, if you like if you're a Batman fan, also uses ostinatos. Kind of interesting, just stuff like that. So truthfully though, the biggest use of music. Come I want everybody to listen real careful. The biggest use of music. Does anybody want to take a guess? The, the biggest use purpose of music, period. Does anybody just want to take a random guess at what it might be? What's that? Nope. So, almost there. Nope. You guys are all right around it, but essentially it's making money. Making money. Okay, do you know why people rise to the top of the worldly music charts? Not because they're good. I hate to tell you that. There's thousands upon thousands of extremely talented people who don't make it to the top of the charts. The people who make it to the top of the charts are the ones who will work with the music studios to sing the songs that they make sure they're getting into that have a, listen, we'll go back to those eight parts of music, that have a form, a repetitive pattern in the song that the music producers already know is going to bring in buku bucks. So you think Taylor Swift is a, I'm a singer-songwriter, super popular, yeah. And most of her songs follow a very predictable form. Okay, you know the form is? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. That's pattern A. Up above the world so high. Pattern B. Like a diamond in the sky. Pattern B. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Pattern A. A, B, B, A. Hear that? Which is interesting because that's the start of one of the most popular forms of almost all music. You understand that this, to such a science that what happens in the popular music on the radio is not so much about who is the best singers and who is the best songwriters, but about putting the music producer with the right voice and the right form because this is going to sell a lot of money. Not saying, listen, not saying that there's not some, some songs that just, again, they supersede all that and it just attracts everyone. But generally speaking, there's a pretty good science on what makes money and what doesn't. Yeah, that's a great song. It, it, you know, it probably hit a few people, but it's not going to make money. Hello? Are you all here? Okay. So, and listen, there's another usage for music. Worship. Music is used in worship. And I'm not limiting that to church worship. Music is used in satanic worship. It's used in worship. Music and worship are linked together in every religion that there is. Because music and worship, why is that? Is it because, this is crazy. Do you know, know, if we go back into 
you know, those groups in the States that went over to those African tribal groups and they listened to their beats. And, they, and we, listen, I want to be careful about this, real careful. We said all those beats are bad because they're using them to call up demons. No. no. Do you think that any human has the power to call a demon to their command? I want you to think about that. No, the beats are used, some beats are used, when a people want to give themselves to a demon and they, they, they submit themselves to the music, listen, they submit themselves to the power of the music and the music opens their mind for reception for spiritual things. Why do you think God has music in worship? Because it makes us more receptive to spiritual things. Uh, listen, uh, li- listen, I'm not saying that there's some beats that probably aren't bad, but we have to be careful. Beats, not beat, is not bad, or we wouldn't have any songs to sing, because all songs have beat. All songs have rhythm. But when you've got a group of people, listen, careful, who are giving themselves to a demon, they're going to use music to help themselves do it. Why? Because music typically is the only thing that we know we can give ourselves to, and it carries us. Oh, say can you see? It, that, I know maybe not for all of us, but I'm telling you, that, that picks you up, that carries you. God bless America. There are songs like that. There's a piece of music. For some of you, you might know. For me, the first one that did that was the Moonlight Sonata. A very particular portion of the Moonlight Sonata was the first time I heard music and it picked me up and carried me. Like, wow. It, 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 literally, and psychologists, they know how this works. They actually, they actually see that as a, even, they even see mosh pits as kind of a good thing because these people have finally reached uh, a level where they have given themselves over to a music and they're experiencing a higher level of consciousness. No different than if you get carried away by a piece of classical music. That's how the psychologists would see it. Why? Because they're giving themselves to the music. When we talk about beat and all that, we'll get, we'll get to whether that even should be the particular argument that we use. Okay? And we'll, talk, we'll talk about all that. And I'm not saying it's not, so don't start going to me. But evil spirits are not persuaded by music to come to us. We are persuaded to, op- to open ourselves up to those evil spirits Amen. There usually has to be a desire on our side to do so, uh, but we open ourselves up to that. Amen. I'm, and again, well, we're going to get to that. When we get to the power music, some of that's going to start making more sense, okay, about why that affects us like it does. And it's not just rock music that affects us that way, okay? Any piece of music can do it, but we'll, we'll talk about that. So, um, intent. People's intent is a big deal, but we'll get that. But also we use it personally, don't we? We use music personally. Now, I've heard the weirdest thing ever. I was talking to a, a metalhead. A guy was uh, into death metal, and I'm like, why do you listen to that? I said, I hear that, and I just get, it's like agitated. Like, I almost start getting angry just listening to it. He's, oh, no, man, I use it to calm down. <laughs> what? He says, yeah. He said, if I get all like that, he said, I, I listen to this music, and it just wears me out. And I get calmed down. Like, Okay. You know, for me, it'd be a lot easier just to listen to Vivaldi's Four Seasons. <laughs> That's a lot, makes me a lot calmer. Or, you know, listen to Greg Howitt on the piano or listen to, you know, somebody playing the guitar nice and soft. That helps me out. But listen, why do you, why, listen, why do you use music? 
I want, I want you to answer that question, and I want you to answer because the answer is not always the same. When you get in the car and quiet, why do you turn on the radio? It's quiet. Why do you turn on the radio? I want you to ask yourself that. If it's quiet at the house, you put a set of headphones in. Why? Start asking yourself, why am I listening to this? Why suddenly do I want to listen to this song? I, start being honest with yourself about why you're picking certain music. Why do I, you know, like when you're excited and you, you, want a, you want a song that's just a little jumpy or bumpy, you want something that makes you feel a little bit, is everybody here? Makes you feel a little bit more excited? Why do we do that? Why does, why does baseball use certain songs? Certain, certain instruments? Well, they're attached to that. Again, there's a subculture there, but why do you use it? What do you use to express joy? What do you use to, what do you use to relax? What do you use to um, release your heart and mind from the world's stresses? What do you use to show love to another person? What do you use to honor someone special? What do you use to show love to your country? And of course, the list is endless. The questions are endless. How have you used music? And when I say that, again, I want you to be extremely, extremely uh, hard on yourself about it. Honest with yourself. Why? Why am I picking? I don't care. I don't care if it's the music from the last church service or the local rate country radio station. Why are you doing it? I want you to ask yourself the question, why? Okay? Because that is probably going to answer a lot about what we get into here in a little bit. So I want to look at a couple verses. Um, are we, we're believers, right? So we're all perfect. Oh, we're not? Well, what part of us isn't, and I, I want you to be clear, let's be very specific. Is my, is my spirit ready for heaven? The answer is yes. Is my soul ready for heaven? Uh, can we, we're not sure about that part. Is your body ready for heaven? No. Is your body going to heaven? No. Music is connected to the body. Now it reaches the spirit. No question. But how do we interface with music? This is part of your body. Okay, right? I mean, if your ears aren't part of your body, I'm sure there's a plastic surgeon we can talk to somewhere, but you still live in the flesh. When we get into the power, listen, listen to me carefully. When we get into the power of music, you're going to discover that music has more control of you than you think. And you give it more power than you believe. I'm, and I'm quite serious about that. Everybody thinks, oh, no, I'm in charge. No, you're not. Highly unlikely. As a matter of fact, most of the music that you choose to listen to is probably more affected by your subculture that your flesh has been trained to use. And I'm telling you, I grew up mostly in church music. <clears throat> I have been in services where only using church music I have ceased thinking about God at all and was totally caught up in the power of the music itself. In how I was able to play it, sing it, hearing someone else, listen to me, hearing someone else sing it. Is everybody following my drift? Okay. 
if I'm in church and I'm supposed to be, have, be God-oriented and my flesh is getting distracted by something, is that a problem? You know, there's a reason I sit in the front at church and I am aiming it at some of you in the back because I don't get distracted when I sit in the front by anything. I'm closer, closer right here. The worst thing I get distracted by is if the preacher's got a booger hanging out his nose or his zipper's unzipped and normally they take care of that. Did anybody hear what I'm talking about? And I know we can't all sit in the front, but listen, the body can be distracted. And it, Have you ever found yourself looking at something or thinking about something that all of a sudden you're like, what am I doing? Hello? Why don't we, why don't we apply that to music? I just want to ask you that. Just ask yourself this question. Why don't we look at our music and say, what am I doing? What am I, and I'm serious about that. What am I doing with this? Okay, so two things. Romans chapter 1. I think you all know this part, but we need to be careful. We're talking about music, okay? Verse 19. Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Is this true? Yes. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I, I'd say about I think that applies to some music as well. Some? Yeah, music. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but God became, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Oh, I've never done that. Sure you have. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Do you see the dress she's wearing? You know, that actually breaks one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord thy God in vain. Using the name of God with no meaning behind it. You come to church and you sing these songs and you aren't putting meaning behind it, you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. But guess what? Your flesh has gotten so used to singing that. You know what I'm saying? Professing, what does it say down there in uh, verse 22? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the, in, the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and to creeping things. Well, I just wish we could have some more fun music in church. Oh, you mean flesh music. Music in church is not about your flesh. Music in church is not... Listen, careful about this. It's not that we're supposed to have boring stuff, but at the same time, the goal is not to have exciting stuff either. That's not the goal of church music. Okay. Y'all are a little slow now, and we'll get there. But I'm just... This is the natural response of the flesh. Okay. Verse 23, we change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds of four-footed beasts, creeping things. In other words, the creation becomes more important than the creator. Well, I think you need to sing my song. Why? Are you more, more interested in us singing your song or are you more interested in honoring the creator? Well, I wish you'd sing my favorite song, my favorite hymn. Why? Because you're more interested in your flesh being pleased or because you really want the Lord to be honored by us singing that song? Come on now. 
Well, I really think we should bring, you know, the, the more instruments in. Why? Because you want your flesh to be honored or you want God to be honored? I, I, and I'm dead serious by this. Well, I just think we need to experiment with more lively, newer music. Why? Because why? Well, you know, we need people to come in. The purpose of church music is not to bring the world in here. Not the people either. The purpose of church music is for a people to gather together and lift themselves up and look to God and say, we're offering this to you. He's the audience. We can, that's Ephesians and Colossians both tell us that. God is the ultimate audience. If there's going to be anything done in here, it's going to be reproof. This is church music we're talking about, okay? So you hear what I'm saying? We, as, as a people, when we look at music, we automatically run from our own body, ear, mind, heart, spirit filter before we ever actually think about does this give God glory? Everybody, everybody following? There's some songs in the, in the hymn book I, 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 we're not singing here. Why? Because I don't believe it gives God glory. I think it has a lot to do with it's just an old favorite that a lot of people like to sing. There's not anything about God getting glory in the whole song. Is everybody here? Amen. It even says, you know, God gives them up. Verse 25, change the truth of God unto a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. It is man's, oh, this is just wicked people. Well, you also remember in this chapter one, it, it, it lines unthankful people with the homosexuals. Anybody here ever been unthankful? Guess what? You fit in Romans chapter one. And the natural tendency of the flesh is to please the creature before it pleases the creator. So when we look at music, listen, 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 we have to be real careful. It's not that God didn't give us creativity. It's not that God didn't give us music to enjoy. It's not that there's not moments where we can sit and enjoy a piece of music because God has allowed us to creativity. We have art. We have different, I mean, we can enjoy a sunset. But in that process, we need to recognize the author. Amen? All right. One more section over Galatians. And these are, it's, again, we have to go to principles. I'm trying to pull us out of when you're discussing music, we have to discuss it from biblical principles of just general thought, okay? And there are, there are some verses very specific. We'll get into that more later. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Galatians chapter 3 tells us we needed a mediator. Verse 20, we had to have a mediator, okay? In verse 22, the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise of faith by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Your, your <coughs> lifestyle before you got saved, <coughs> it didn't just get wiped out. The whole rest, of your, whole rest of your life as a believer is learning how to grow beyond your flesh. If, if the scripture hath concluded all under sin and your flesh isn't making it to heaven, your flesh is still part of that which is, guess what? Subject to temptation and sin. Not, not, you can't, Lord can't, obviously Romans tells us it can't make us sin, can it? Sin has no power over us, but do we still sin? Music, and, and I might rearrange how we put this together, but music has a power over your flesh that we don't, we, we don't acknowledge clearly. We don't talk about clearly. We want to we enjoy that power, but we actually don't want to address it and look at it and say, I wonder if I want to give myself to that. Paul said, I'm not going to be brought under the power of any. I, I'm not, I'm not going to 
put myself where somebody else is in control except for God, which applies to drugs, alcohol, whatever else you want to call it, and music. Because music is just as much of a drug as anything else. Any kind of music. If you give yourself to the music and you don't have God in there with it. So I'm just I'm trying to get us to a point, help us understand that music, how, how we use music is probably more often affected by our flesh than it is by the spirit that dwells within us. No matter how you grew up. Because you grew up with a subculture. And the music that you enjoy is the music that you grew up with. It's one of those things I, you know, I, I enjoy the fact that we teach other countries our songs, but they need to come up with their music, their songs that worship God. American music is not the right music, and everybody else's music is wrong. That's just, that's wicked. That's arrogant. We should be able to go in the middle of China somewhere, preach the gospel, and find biblical principles that they can apply to their music that sounds to us very foreign and still apply. Does that sound fair? Not force them to learn American music. Now, if they want to learn some of those great hymns that we've got, great. Some of the great hymns that England had, great. Germany, great. That's fine. Hymns are good. We should sing hymns. But when it comes right down to music, there has to be an answer beyond just what I think and I feel. Everybody here? Again, we're not answering all the questions tonight. We've got more to go, and we'll talk some more down, uh, down the road. So we're going to talk a little bit now next week about music in Scripture, how it's used in Scripture, and uh, let's see how far, how it's used in Scripture, and we're going to look at biblical commands concerning music, uh, which the biblical commands that God gives almost all deal with church service music, which means anything outside of that, we're going to have to use biblical principles in our life that must be there for us to use. So, that's where we'll be looking as we move further along. So again, I want to encourage you, don't, sit, don't think that Brother Tim's lost it, or, oh great, we're going to only have high church music. No, I didn't say any of that. And, and please don't start bringing me songs and saying, is this one right or wrong? Because by the time we're done with this, you should be able to yourself look at a song and know whether you should listen to it or not. Whether you should have anything to do with it or not. Yourself. Okay. In church, I'm going to take a hand. So if you want to sing it in church, if I don't approve it, don't get sung. Okay? Is everybody here? So in church, I do have some charge and authority as to what we should do here, and I will exercise that. have been exercising that, by the way. But amen. All right, so that's as far as we're going to get right now. And there's a lot of verses we have to look at. There's a lot of biblical principles we're going to look at. We're not by any stretch done. And I don't know if we'll look at every spot that music is in the Bible. There are many. Um, not as many as you'd think, uh, but we will, we will go and use uh, those passages, and then we'll try to back out and look at what biblical principles might be there. We're not there yet. We're not there yet, because we still have to look at the power of music. I know I've, it seems like I've talked about it. I've not. I've not even touched yet what the power of music is, and we'll talk about that. Um, am I here next Wednesday? Yes. I think that's what we're going to be talking in the next one or two Wednesday nights uh, that we're talking about this. So let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. And uh, that, so just, again, more thoughts, thought-provoking things. So this week, I want, you to, I want you to, if you will, this week, when you find yourself turning on a radio or picking up your, your iPhone, putting on headphones, if some of you have a record player, 
I actually miss record players. I heard an old song, Christmas song, I listened to it going, man, my old record sounded better than that, and then actually found out, yeah, it actually, they actually do sound better if you've got a good system, but anyways. So however it is, whatever music you pick up, I want you to ask yourself why you're picking that up. Why? And be very dead honest with yourself. Is it just a fleshly desire to have something going? Okay, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I just want you to maybe think about it. Put it together. Why am I listening to this? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much.